Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the same place they play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the make us play against And make us ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Looks like Coach Sumlin picked the wrong weekend to come to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, man, this, uh, this, team, this team was happy to have some home cooking, play in front of their fans. You know, they just haven't learned how to, you know, they haven't learned how to play through adversity on the road yet. And uh, hopefully this uh, will help them out because they got a couple hard weeks up ahead. Yeah, hopefully this is the uh, the confidence boost and uh, young team continues to grow and mature. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll figure out a way to to bottle this up so they can uh, spritz a little bit before the next game, huh? No, absolutely. I think um, you know th- this is a team that that just still has to find their way. They haven't done this yet, and. Um, you know, th- this is not a Texas A&M team that came into the game, you know, ranked second or third in the country in passing yards per game. And I think their quarterback came in ranked second in the country in several categories, completions, pass yards, uh, completion percentages, et cetera. You know, you and I said several times during this football game that, you know, just pick whatever the score was at the moment that we said it. We said this isn't a 35 to nothing Texas A&M team. This isn't a 42 to nothing Texas A&M team. We, the, everything that could have gone wrong for them did. You know, it's not like we. It's not like they had a lot of turnovers, but it just. It just. You know, we had a flush down the toilet game. This was their flush down the toilet game. Yeah, this this was a pretty horrid performance on their part. And, and on the same on the same token, though. Uh, it was a spectacular performance for our team. They came out and and uh, Alabama Alabama played with a, a a lot more emotion, a lot more passion, a lot more investment. Uh, it, it appeared in the game, and I read a, an article uh, that uh, that was quoting some some material by Danny Sheridan, and uh, you know he's pretty good at what he does, uh, analyzing games and and breaking down um, uh, you know trends and stuff in the action. And he has sort of a, a proprietary metric where he goes through and evaluates uh, every week, every team's performance. I think he's been doing this since, uh, you know, about 2008, 2007, that time frame. And, uh, and, he, and he gives it a grade. And it's a formula based on yardage gains, gained running and passing and, and scoring and third down conversions and, you know, everything that your opponent does and who you're playing and where you're playing them and all those types of uh, uh, sort of metrics that can be distilled down. And he said this was the highest rated performance that his system has ever kicked out. Uh, that uh, this is in sort of the parlance of, of uh, Danny Sheridan as close to a perfect game as it comes. That's pretty impressive. And uh, that pretty, pretty well matches with the experience, right? Oh, sure. Um, you know, this this team, you know, Nick Saban talked a few weeks ago about it's tough to, you know, it's tough to live up to the to the hype, you know, week in, week out, year in, year out. I mean, this team's won three national championships in five years, and most teams can't say they've won one in the past five years or, or ever. And so it, it's almost like they needed a spark. You know, uh, fortunately, they, you know, fortunately, they won, you know, that Arkansas game by a point. 
and um, they they definitely just seem to you know even even making even making tackles on special teams and defense and you know it was just nice to see that they were having fun out there playing I guess is what I'll say I mean these are still kids they're not grown men and uh, it was nice to see them having fun what they were doing. Yeah, I was afraid that the pressure. Obviously, there was a loss, and then there was a, you know, a close game against. Uh, you know, and I know it kind of pissed off Saban, but you know, there's a reality that that that's a win that kind of felt like a loss given the the heightened expectations. And so I was afraid the play the team was playing a little tight, and uh, I was concerned how that would sort of carry over. This very much seemed like a pivot point that they kind of re, uh, hit the refresh button, started having fun again, and uh, I hope I hope we see more of this tide throughout the season than uh, than maybe the version that we've seen the first half so far. Why don't you dive us into offense? What are some of the things that jumped out to you? Well, I was surprised to see how quickly we went to the to the pass uh, side of things. You know, that, that first series, they passed the ball six times out of eight plays. You know, they they rolled Blake Sims out in the flats the very first play, got him got him behind you know, got him out from behind those offensive linemen. We've talked about him being comfortable out there in the, you know, out there in the flats. And so, you know, that was the first play to DeAndre White. And, you know, they get 17 yards right away. And then that little play that they throw behind the line of scrimmage, they did it three times in a row. And the next thing you know, they're at the 24-yard line of Texas A&M. So it, w- it was just interesting how I-, I think it was all about Blake Sims's confidence. Sure. I think it was all about let's throw these little short gadget, you know, yak plays. The you know the Gary Danielson said on the on the TV that he felt like two of the plays were run plays. He thought Blake Sims uh, checked out of it to to passing plays because the corners gave a seven yard cushion at the snap of the ball, and so that's why he did it. But it was just interesting how we came out. This wasn't this wasn't beat you up out of the block. This was you know try to throw on the edges like we've seen them do a lot this year. Yeah, and that's good, right? That uh, that we can go out and design some plays that are going to make you know, the quarterback comfortable and, you know, by extension, it's going to make the offense comfortable. And uh, and also the fact that, uh, you know, Blake uh, has some flexibility and some autonomy to to call the plays and go up and look at the line of scrimmage. And, and it may just be, you know, a one or zero type uh, play call. He may go up to there, go up to the huddle with just two options, but he has the option of, uh, of checking out of something. And it uh, looks like, you know, he had uh, some pretty good success doing that. Marched us down the field on the first possession. Almost had a pick six. Uh, Could have gone the other way, but uh, settled down, got the field goal. And, uh, you know, our first eight possessions turned into scores. Uh, after that field goal, we ran off seven straight uh, touchdowns in a row, uh, p- uh, possessions for touchdowns in a row. Geez, that's pretty darn impressive. That gets you to uh, – that gets the score up there really quick, right? Oh, it does. I was I was surprised at this Texas A&M defense, though. I, you know, they're not a bad team. I mean, this is no. a team that was preseason top five in the country. You know, thought that they could be one of the four playoff teams, and I, I'm you got a quarterback that has shown that you know he's not always able to fit it into a tight window. And I'm no defensive coordinator, and no one's ever paid me to try to be one, but. I was surprised that that they didn't come out and just, you know, put their corners on an island, get in the wide receivers' faces. Amari Cooper's banged up from the week before. DeAndre White's been banged up this year. I mean, take nothing away from our performance, but they 
the defense made it pretty easy. I mean, there are several plays that they were seven yards off the ball at the snap and they backpedaled 10 and Blake Sims drops it to a wide open guy seven yards off the line of scrimmage and it was like pitch and catch. Yeah, they were definitely stacked up uh, against the run. Uh, I, I think, you know, maybe they maybe they studied the game film of the last two games uh, a little more closely and, and didn't look at uh, some of the other games, I guess in particular the Florida game, where, where Blake showed a lot more capability that he has not demonstrated, you know, maybe over the last month. And maybe they invested more effort in uh, saying, hey, this quarterback cannot beat us. Uh, Alabama's going to come out at home and run the ball. Let's stack the run. We'll put a zone on top of that, and uh, that's going to be a good game plan for us. But uh, we saw the Blake Sims uh, against A&M that we saw against Florida felt very comfortable, made uh, a, a wide variety of flow uh, of throws, including strikes downfield, and uh, really was not off his game all day long. And uh, just to put a cherry on top, he runs – for uh, what turns out to be the longest rush, uh, our longest rush for the season on a uh, little design run for a touchdown. So that was a nice little capper. Oh, it was. He didn't have a lot of pressure in his face, right? He didn't have a lot of guys on him, hanging on him. He had a clean pocket. Sure. He had wide open receivers. You know, I'm only saying it that way because I want to, I I just want to call it for what it is. Did he have a good game? Yes. Did he make good decisions except for that one at the goal line? Yes. You know, I just um, – I, I still want to see how he responds to a team that has two shutdown corners, get in your faces, and, you know, give their defensive line time to get to the quarterback and and see what we do. Well, I hope the offensive line uh, continues to to play this well. I think Coach really challenged them this week. And uh, they really rose to the occasion. You know, when you play for, you know, play with an empty pocket, that's not a knock on the quarterback, but that's high praise for the offensive line. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a a quarterback that's having sustained success without having, you know, a strong offensive line in front of them. So I'm glad to see that they kind of rallied after putting up some, what I thought were a couple of uh, really poor performances, especially last week against Arkansas. It looked like uh, Bradley Bozeman kind of settled down you know, I don't think he was tipping quite the way that he was before, and he seemed to perform uh, with a higher degree of comfort. You know, we flopped a, a couple of guys at guard a little bit. Austin Shepard went down. Uh, Grant Hill stepped in. Uh, I thought the uh, the first unit, uh, even with some of those changes when we were still running the first team offense, uh, I, I think the first uh, the first unit there across the offensive line looked very very positive. I, I think they had a good day. I just don't think that they brought the blitz package and really went after the quarterback. You know, one one play in particular that that I remember from the from the first quarter of the game, you know, I want to give Blake Sims kudos for for making a good decision. But just to set this up for for the listeners, you know, it was first and 10 and we were about midfield and we do a play action pass. And they're sending four guys. Okay? We got five. We got five guys in to protect, and our five guys, to your point, are able to handle their pressure. And so, I beg your pardon. We had a tight end in it as well. So we got six guys to block four guys. Right? They dropped seven. They dropped seven. We've only we we've only got three guys in the route, and then T.J. Yeldon bleeds out all by himself on the sideline. 
and Blake Sims, because he's got all day to throw, releases it to a safety valve. He makes two guys miss and gets 20 yards. My point of pointing that out is, is you drop seven guys in coverage and you can't cover the four people, including the running back in the flats. So, so th- that's my point is they send four guys to, to go after the quarterback. We got a tight end in there. And so, of course, our six guys can block four. It goes back to your leading comment of them bringing their A game. I just, whereas we played with passion and we took what the defense gave us, they just played very lethargic. They, they kind of played like they didn't give a shit to be there, quite frankly. Yeah, they didn't have a, a sound game plan, but, uh, you know, it's hard to take away from just the outstanding performance we had. I mean, 602 yards, you know, 30 first downs, uh, no turnovers, no penalties on offense, uh, 80 plays, averaging, uh, you know, seven and a half yards per play uh, over the course of the ball game. There's a lot to like with uh, with what we did. Did you see anything else that, that jumped out to you on offense? Well, and, and just to just to just to point just to your point there real quick, I'm not taking away from what we did. I'm just calling it like I see it that that I don't feel like we were tested in this game by their defensive game plan. So we took what they gave us and and you know, we did put up fifty nine points, which, you know, we could have scored twenty and we'd be ticked off that we had missed opportunities. I just uh I just was surprised at the game plan they came to us with. No, I want to point out Bradley Bozeman. We kind of talk about um was it Drew? What was Drew's last name that played right tackle for us? Drew Davis? Yeah. Remember Drew Davis? You know, you, you didn't talk about him in the podcast because there wasn't anything to talk about because sure. he wasn't getting beat. Well, Bozeman, you know, coming out there now in, you know, his, you know, now as a starter, there was nothing glaring. You know, he didn't get pushed five yards into Blake Sims' face like we've seen some centers do in the past. He, he you know, he wasn't out physicaled. He didn't need help from double team blocking from the guards. I'm not saying he railroaded his guy five yards down the field, but but he put a hat on a hat, and uh, I thought he had a really good day. Absolutely, yeah, I thought he he performed uh, uh, he performed very well. Uh, we did uh, when we brought in the the second teams, and and uh, I miscalled it at the game because I was looking for another player. But we did uh, burn the uh, burn the red shirt on J.C. Uh, Hassenauer. He played some center after Bozeman. What do you think about that decision? Um, I think it's a bad decision um, by the coaching staff. They they know what the injury status is with these players. Yep. Um, they they had to know they they had to know how close Ryan Kelly was to being able to be back. And so it's kind of like last year they you know they blew D liners red shirt after some injuries to Dalvin Tomlinson and somebody else, and we didn't see D-liner again in the, on the field. I, I think in that situation, Bozeman needs the work. You just keep Bozeman out there and see if he can play a whole football game and you don't burn that kid's red shirt. Yeah, I agree. That may have been the worst coaching decision that we saw all day. I, I agree that Bozeman could use some additional work. You know, the big news out of practice today was that Ryan Kelly's, Ryan Kelly's practicing and uh, expected uh, back next week. Coaches knew that, so you know we could get another quarter out of Bozeman. He would be that much more prepared. Or if you want to mix it up, uh, you know Grant Hill took some snaps. I know he's your backup tackle, but he so he took some uh, uh, some snaps at center. Uh, I think you could move things around. Uh, Dominic Jackson could could move around uh, a little bit more. I think there's um, you know Isaac Latua has has done some snapping. So I think there's some things that you can do. You know keep Bozeman in until maybe. 
midway through the fourth and then, you know, then do a little bit of creative shuffling rather than burn a red shirt at this point in the season. Because if, you know, if all goes uh, as expected, JC won't play again. And so that turns out being a, a pretty expensive red shirt because, you know, Kelly's going to be back and then Bradley's going to have some season to him. And so he's going to be there ready to play. I just don't see JC playing anymore this season. It seems an expensive burn. It is. And the only people that's upset about that is us, him, and his parents. <laughs> it's it's a small it's a small group that probably even recognize that he played. But uh, yeah, those that uh, those that understand the implication probably not pleased with that. Hey, real quick before you jump on something else on offense, I just wanted to mention we talked during the game on our on our first touchdown. We did a, a pitch sweep to Yeldon. And um, it allowed him, you know, it allowed them to, you know, spread the lanes on the outside and he was able to to find his cutback. And we talked during the game in person about how we need to see more of that. You know, I, I think with the talent that we have at running back, we need to be doing these pitch sweeps a lot more on all, you know, all yard yards and distance on the field. It's something that I don't think enough teams do anymore. And um, I, I'd like to see more of that as the season progresses. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the toss sweep. Always kind of been a fan of that. Let your uh, talented, you know, the whole spread offense is about getting your, uh, you know, talented players in position to make decisions and uh, uh, move the ball. Well, the toss sweep is sort of an old school version of that, right? You pitch it out to your uh, your talented tailback, and you let him, you know, kind of pick the hole. I mean, there's a sort of a designed hole, but you let him. Uh, he has some space to operate and uh, to make some moves. I thought we had some good success with that over the last couple of weeks, but uh, saw a little bit more of that Saturday. Uh, I would certainly like to see that uh, a few more times this season. We should run. We should plan to run that eight to twelve times a game. Anything else on offense, uh, catch your eye? Um, just um, I, I wish I wouldn't have seen Brian Vogler out there as much. Uh, he looked very gimpy. You know, I I felt like, you know, while it didn't matter with the score, it felt very obvious that he was coming in on blocking situations. I would have liked to have seen Brandon Green get some work. Um, I think he served his time well. Uh, he's a big kid. You bring him in at goal line to block. Is he not good enough to do third and fourth to 50 if he can be on goal line? You know, give, give Vogler a little rest and uh, make it more unpredictable as to what Vogler's going to do when he comes into the game. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Ty Florney-Smith got some run. Uh, I'd like to see him get a little bit more because, you know, we think that he's, uh, you know, he might be more of the complete package mix of a uh, receiving tidy, and he had a touchdown in this game uh, as, as well of a blocking, as well as a blocking uh, tight end. So I'd like to see him get a little more run. If Vogler's a little banged, Hey, I respect the fact that he's a senior. He wants to get out there. He wants to show, uh, you know, show through leadership, and uh, and continue to play. But um, you know, there's an opportunity to get other guys in there too because there's still uh, there's still a lot of season to go. You know, just real quick notes on offense that I saw: incredibly strong running by T.J. Yeldon. I mean, he just continued to uh, to do what he does. Very understated uh, in a lot of ways, but he's uh, he's an incredibly productive back. I thought uh, Derrick Henry showed a little more want to uh, in uh, in his style. Could have lowered his shoulder uh, into a DB a couple of times, but uh, uh, I think he was running with a little more tenacity. And uh, I'm just happy to see our Darius Stewart back uh, back on the uh, the offense. He only had one catch, but uh, he threw a couple blocks 
and uh, was out in the formations. We tried to go to him once on a double move down the field. Pass was a little bit late getting there. Uh, if uh, Sims had thrown that out there just a couple seconds earlier, uh, Ardarius would have a touchdown under his belt. So uh, glad to see him out there and the fact that we are trying to work him into the offense. Uh, I think he can still be a weapon for us. Hey, one more thing, you know, or two more things on what you just said there. You know, we didn't have the, the benefit of this because we were at the game, but, you know, the on the TV version, it was surprising to see that T.J. Yeldon, when he got a rushing touchdown in this game, mm-hmm. it was his first rushing touchdown since the opening game of the season. Ah, that's a great stat. So that is, you know, I'm sure most of the listeners that watched the game on TV saw that, but I just thought that was interesting that, you know, our our, premier, our 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 number one back did not score a rushing touchdown for, you know, five football games. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to mention real quick is, is, is that as far as, as far as the uh, as far as the the offense is concerned, you you mentioned the Ardarius Stewart throw. We might as well point out very quickly that uh, we we called that on a turnover. It was a good time to take a shot down the field about midfield yep. uh, before the play, and uh, we said we'd like to see the tight end down the hash. Yep. And uh, OJ Howard OJ Howard releases down the hash, and and Blake just held on to the ball too long. And I'm only pointing this out because a minute ago I said he made a good decision. Well. He had a couple, you know, in a 59 to nothing game. He, you know, played a good game, but he had some shots down the field that that we missed on. And so um, I hope this team is continues to work on that because I think what these defenses are going to do, Mississippi State and LSU, is they're going to say, you know what, we're going to try to shut you down from zero to ten yards, and we're going to give over the top help on Amari, and you're going to have to beat us down the field. And you're going to have to show us that you can consistently beat us down the field. And yeah, that's I, what this team needs to keep working on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a it's something of a sign of, a, of an experienced quarterback that can uh, throw the ball uh, before the receivers open. Uh, throw the ball out there before, you know, if it's a double move kind of play, throw the ball out there knowing where the receiver is going to be even before the receiver makes the move. And uh, that's a very nuanced thing. It's easy to kind of look at that in, in hindsight. And I agree with you. He missed on both of those passes. Uh, had he let it fly just a little bit earlier, uh, you know, both of those would have gone for touchdowns. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, with a little more experience, he makes those throws. But uh, he, he's looking for the receiver to be open before he lost the ball rather than putting it on there knowing that he's going to be open. You're right, and what, and what I'm and what I want to say there is is just trust them, right? Yep. Just throw it up there, and the analogy is throw it where they're the only one that can go get it, and if they don't get it, so what? Incomplete. Start over. Yeah. Now, one thing you've mentioned uh, before, and and you know, we kind of put this on the conversation as well, is is that he seems to be a little more comfortable doing that with an Amari Cooper, but not with some of the other guys, and so. Uh, I, you know, it's a, it's a skill, it's a capability that he has. Uh, I just wonder if he, if he holds it that extra second with uh, some of these other receivers not named Amari. Well, that's a great point because on Amari's touchdown, you know, we also talked in the game that um, I truly believe that Amari Cooper is the only one that catches that touchdown pass. Yes. And he is the only wide receiver on our roster who would have, you know, leaped at a 45-degree angle in the air and sacrificed his body and been able to judge the angle to catch a overthrown ball. 
Yep. Everybody else would have either given up on the route or would have missed it. Well, he just throws it up there. He feels a lot more comfortable, uh, you know, heaving it down the field for Amari because he knows I'm going to put it out here where Amari can go get it or nobody gets it. And uh, I, I think that he, he's a little bit more hesitant. And it's that half a second, it's that half a heartbeat uh, is, is the difference. Uh, he just doesn't have that same fearlessness, if you will, with the other receivers. And I can understand that. I can understand why that would be the case. Uh, I think he's just got to pick his spots and, and let it fly in those situations. And, and I think he will. I think that I think that'll come. But, uh, you know, it's good to see that we're working to those uh, those players. Uh, I, I hope that we can. Uh, and look, it's a 59 to nothing game. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yes. it's hard pressed to, to be too upset with uh, with that kind of performance. Hey, why no, don't you give us uh, why don't you give us your offensive mini game ball? Yeah, my game ball is going to go to two big uglies. Okay. Um, my first one's going to be Leon Brown. Okay. Um, nice. He came in. To, he came in to be a tackle. That's what his job was. We thought he was going to come in and, and win left tackle. He's um, he's being a team player. He's finding a home that he's comfortable in at guard right now. Uh, he seems to have beaten out Alfonso Taylor. He came in in the game in Arkansas and started giving us some push because Alfonso wasn't giving it to us. He started this game again. And um, he looked pretty worn out in this football game because it was hot out there. But uh, I thought he played a, a hell of a game. And uh, I thought Airy played a hell of a game. Yeah. Um, I didn't see Airy really – I didn't see any mistakes. When he pulled, he got to his guy. He was noticeably limping off that field after saying his prayers at the midfield. But he left it all on the field, and it was a 59 to nothing game. They, they both could have checked it in because it's a 59 to nothing game. And so either A, they know that there's people that want their jobs, or B, they're just busting their tail, and I just thought they both played a good game. Well, I hope it's a little both. Uh, <laughs> Nothing like busting your tail because you know there's competition behind you. I, I'm going to stick with the offensive line theme because I think that's, uh, you know, I really liked what we saw there. And uh, for reasons already mentioned, I'm going to go Bradley Bozeman. You know, in his second start, uh, I think the improvement that he that he demonstrated – and again, I get that it's different defenses, but uh, the improvement that uh, that he demonstrated between his first start and his second start, uh, I thought were uh, were were pretty nice. Uh, he looked a lot more comfortable out there, and uh, uh, I think he's going to be a good player for us. So I'm I'm giving a tip of the tip of the cap to uh, Bozeman. All right, man. We'll start us off on defense. What jumped out at you? Man, you know, I, you know, I'll be a little contrarian on on this one. Uh, the thing that jumped out to me uh, when I saw the stat sheet that uh, Texas A and M had 172 yards on offense, my first reaction was, "Really? They had that many?" Okay. It didn't 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 seem like they uh, didn't seem like they had that many, huh? No, you know they were, you know they were, uh, you know they had nine punts on the ball game. Uh, they punted each of their first six possessions. Uh, they had a turnover on downs and lost the ball at half. And, you know, they were two of 13 on third down, uh, you know, conversions. Um, you know, they had – I think their big play was 13 yards or 15 yards. I think they had a run for, you know, right at 11 or 12. Uh, but that was it. They, they just – they were so roundly stifled. Uh, which was good, good, you know, to see. You know, we've kind of struggled with, with A and M, and I get a different quarterback and all that. But there, you know, there's a little bit of head case. It seems like we've had with, uh, uh, with Texas A and M, 
And so I think Saban and uh, Smart were happy to exercise some of those demons. I'm sure they were. And, um, you know, Texas A&M came into this game, you know, um, like I said, being a very prol- uh, prolific uh, passing team. You know, they, they started off the season putting, a, you know, hanging 50 on South Carolina and everybody was saying that this is quarterback you and, you know, out sure. comes Johnny Manziel and I'm not going to call him the other name because I just don't like it. Sure. And uh, in comes Kenny Hill and, um, you know, where's this season going to go for them? They get back, you know, their, their receiver that put a dagger in our heart in Tuscaloosa and Malcolm Kennedy. And um, I found it interesting that they went to him early and often. I mean, th- this game plan was all about trying to get Malcolm Kennedy involved because he was the one guy that they felt like, you know, could really open things up. Well, he finished the game with four catches for four yards. And what's interesting about that is um, they threw the ball to him three times on the opening drive. And so I thought that was an interesting stat that, you know, their, their go-to receiver who's been hurt for two weeks comes back and they're doing empties and four wides and five wides. And, you know, they're, they're trying to get him involved and, and he can only get four catches for four yards. I don't know if that speaks to the DBs as much as I think it speaks to our front four. Yep. Um, I, I'm going to tell you that I think the mini game balls is too many to go around to the seven and eight guys that rotate in the front four positions. I thought they played lights out. I can't think of a game where uh, I can't remember a game and, and, you know, I'd have to go back and do some digging and how many football games would we have to go back to find a game where we have six sacks in one ball game? Good Lord. We've gone a month without six sacks before this goes back to, this was a type of performance that I envisioned uh, from, you know, from our, uh, you know, front, from our front seven uh, in a particular, if you want to just say that the defensive line, you know, when we talked about in our preseason shows, uh, you know, we talked about the defensive line being a weapon, uh, not just a stopgap, not just big bodies out there that are going to, you know, stand in the way of, of, uh, of blockers so our linebackers can make plays, but that the defensive front was going to be a weapon that was going to be material to our success of the season. And this was the type of performance that, that, uh, and we've seen that we've seen flashes. We've seen it uh, a couple of times this season. And, and I think the defensive line is getting better and better. But this, you know, this, you, you put a, you, I mean, you know, you put a crown on top of this type of performance. This is what uh, I had sort of envisioned or hoped or dreamed that the defensive line could be. And boy, if they can continue to execute at this level. And what's funny is Alphonse Ashawn Robinson, one of our favorites across the defensive front, he he pretty much had a quiet day. And so it's interesting that we had such a and that doesn't mean he wasn't productive. It just didn't have didn't have a stat line. But uh it you know, to think that one of our better guys had a quiet day, uh, but we still put up a, a such a dominating performance up front, man, that's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And and I'm gonna tell you, this is also without Denzel Duvall. Yes. Okay. Yes. Who who's a big football player on this team? Absolutely. And I think this speaks to the depth that is finally materializing on the defensive side of the ball. But this is also to Nick Saban's coaching staff and their credit for the recruiting job that they did because they went out there and said, you know what? We got a lot of young guys and the light switch has not come on yet. 
And so we've got to go get some veteran leadership from the JUCO ranks that can, that can come in and, and help these guys out. And so what do they do? They go get two of the top JUCO players in the country in Jaron Reed and DJ Petway. And so you sprinkle those kids in, and now you've got a Jonathan Allen as a sophomore, but then you got a Xavier Dixon, and then you've got a Ryan Anderson. And that's the biggest thing, man. I mean, look at this stat line. The, the number one guy was Ryan Anderson, four tackles, two assists, tackle for loss, right? I mean, the, the biggest thing to me is the light bulb coming on for Ryan Anderson and yep. Xavier Dixon. Yep. And, and that's the thing that is so exciting is because they finally seem comfortable. And this yeah. is not even talking about Reggie Ragland, right? Oh, and okay. so and and Reggie Ragland on the second play of the game, you know, they do a little end around to to Malcolm Kennedy trying to get him involved. And Reggie Ragland from inside the box runs him out on the sideline, the true sideline to sideline. Mm-hmm. Dude's lost about ten pounds of water weight since the season started because he definitely looks quicker to me than he did in week one. And uh, man, we, we are seeing that kid. That that kid is is going to hold on to his starting job the rest of the season. I think he's lost uh, a, a lot of weight, kind of from from the jump. I, you know, he had real just massive thighs, and uh, looked like he'd start a fire if he were wearing corduroy pants or something. I mean, his thighs were just so thick that uh, you know they definitely. You know, I'm not saying he's not athletic or wasn't athletic then, but I'm just I'm just saying he he looked like it was cumbersome for him to to really run and and move, and uh, he seems to move. I still don't think he's you know a stud in coverage, even though he got a pick this week. So you know maybe I'll just keep talking bad about him, and he'll just keep playing better because he is one player on on the team, and there's a couple that you could point to specifically, but he just seems to continue to play better and better and better with each passing week. And that doesn't always translate to the stat line, but it's just where are they being productive? How is it that they're uh, making plays to contribute to the bottom line? And uh, Ragland is just one of those guys. Every week he's gotten better. You could chart it uh, over the season, you know, on some maybe some coaching metrics, and, and his performance just continues to improve. It does. Hey, one other thing I want to I say real quick. This is not defense, but I want to flip the field back to the offense for just a quick second because you made a great point during the game, and I don't want this to be lost in translation. In the second quarter, at the beginning of the second quarter, it was a 10 to nothing ball game. And third and goal, we call a passing play, and we don't succeed. And so it's fourth and goal. And Saban tells the off, tells that uh, kicking you know field goal unit to get your butt back on the sideline. We're going for it from the two yard line. Mm-hmm. And you made a great comment. You said Nick Saban's tired of close ball games. He he doesn't want this to be a close ball game. And I just wanted to jump back on this real quick because you know that could have been a field goal. It's thirteen to nothing. Instead, we go for it and show some domination at the two and make it a seventeen point ball game. And that's what started the second quarter that proceeded to have us hang 35 points on them in the second quarter. No, that was a good point. I remember I was talking about that. Well, on third down, we tried to uh, look like a little inside pass to, uh, to Amari, which, you know, it's probably a little Ill, ill-conceived. And, uh, and, and so you're right. We ran it back out there and, and um, you know, went to a, a, a real p- uh, power uh, formation and it just ran it into the end zone. And we kind of kidded, you know, well, who do you think called that play? 
And, um, you know, my kind of snarky remark was, I, I think Saban walked up to Kiffin and said, you can call third down, but I'll call fourth down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, you're absolutely right, man. I just I wanted to point that out because we talked about that in the game, and that was just a good point that that I think he said, you know, we're, we're going to exert our will in this ball game. Yeah. It, it, is, it is time to put our foot on the throat. Hey, what else jumped out at you on defense? Were you surprised that uh, Eddie Jackson got the start? No, I don't think that I, I don't think that I was. You know, I think Eddie and Cyrus are playing very, very well together. I think Eddie brings a, obviously a little more experience than uh, than does uh, Tony Brown. But I think you know when we started some of the some of the very early rotations on defense, we took Eddie out and brought Tony in, and I think that's reflective. And so he was playing with the starters. I think that's reflective of. You know, coach likes to say that we have more starters at positions than than sometimes there are positions, and we talk about that in our preseason guide. And I think there's a lot of a, a lot of rationale uh, to that. I think at that cornerback position, he does really look at Eddie and Tony as is uh, is one you know one A and one B kind of at, at that um, at that position op- opposite Cyrus. I think there's also a little bit of pitch count. With Eddie Jackson still coming back from his new injury, knee injury, and us wanting to be really, really careful about that, you know, Saban will sometimes play. You know, sometimes talk about if if a guy's injured or a guy's is hurt, that uh, you know sometimes that's part of the game and they've got to play through it. And I think there's something to that. I have sensed and, and read and, and seen him say more about we have to take care of Eddie Jackson's injury, and so I think that's a little interesting. You know, I'm not saying that he doesn't care about the player's health and and all that. I'm not saying that at all. I just think he's recognizing this is a different type of injury, and we need to treat it, you know, different from a hangnail and and some guy not being tough. Uh, that we need to kind of, you know, manage Eddie Jackson, you know, maybe protect him from himself a little bit. And so we're going to bring uh, Tony Brown in there to give him some reps, um, you know, because we do consider him a starter quality player. Uh, so let's get them both out on the field. Um, so long answer for your question. No, I wasn't surprised to see Eddie Jackson and I continue to kind of pound the desk on, on Cyrus Jones. You know, he, he's another one of those guys I would say that continues to play better every week. And, uh, he's, he's a tough one. He's, you know, he's going to be a tough one to get off the field. Hey, what did you think about the, um, the, the passing defense, uh, by us? Because we, we seem to be sticking with our, our base nickel in this game. Yeah. We seem to. A lot of nickel, a lot of Trey and Reggie out there together. You know, obviously Jarrett Williams, you know, was manning the star. But, you know, lots of their plays were short passes. And um, we seem to be running um, a decent amount of zone coverage uh, in this game as opposed to, to true man. And, um, you know, with, our, with, the, with the physical nature of our inside linebackers, I just was surprised they didn't have more success in their four and five wides on those crossing routes, you know, behind our linebackers. Well, you know, I think uh, I think some of that ties back to the defensive front uh, that they were getting some push and they were making the quarterback. Uh, and in fact, they played two quarterbacks. They were uh, they were making the quarterbacks uncomfortable. And uh, I, I think that had uh, that certainly had something to do with it. I mean, you know, you and I can cover a receiver if the quarterback's not going to have a chance to throw it. Right. And so uh, not that it was quite that dramatic, but I think the defensive front uh, was was um, was making some noise and that made some of the coverage uh, a little bit easier. You would think with some of their tall receivers 
that, uh, you know, you would attack the middle of the field. That's certainly what I would do against us and kind of get our linebackers leaning the wrong way with, uh, with some of those quality receivers. But, um, you know, it could be that, uh, you know, part of it was they didn't have time and part of it, uh, was, you know, that didn't seem to be what they wanted to do. Well, it's funny you mentioned that about the pressure. So I, I will say real quick, there was a there was a series um, in the in the second quarter, which was funny. You know, they they did a lot of bunch formations. You know, because we've we've had some miscues, right? We've had breakdowns on those three and four bunch formations. Those, um, I guess, more of the three formations. But they did the four wide receivers in a bunch, which I haven't seen a lot of. And it was interesting on first down they. You know, they they basically threw it to the back guy and let the other three block. And Trey DePriest, like, reads it, like, before the quarterback even throws it, and they lose three yards. Well, then the very next play, they line up in the same formation, and they fake it to the guy, and they're going to try to take a strike down the field. Well, buddy, as soon as he, like, goes to, like, fake the throw, he's looking at Ryan Anderson and Xavier Dixon in his face. So to your point, like, you know, three second drop and they're and he's in the shotgun, right? Three second drop and they're in his face and they're pushing the pocket. And so uh I definitely think that has something to do with it. He yeah. he seemed to have happy feet in this ball game. Yeah, absolutely. What else on defense jumped out at you? You know, nothing else. Um, just like you surprised that, you know, a team coming in here averaging, you know, three hundred and fifty yards passing, you know, can't even get half of that in total offense. Yeah. All right. You want to move to mini game ball? I do. Um, as far as the mini bank game ball, I guess I can't give it to the whole defensive line. And so um, I'm going to surprise you here, and I'm going to give it to DJ, DJ Petway. Okay. And um, you're going to ask me why, because uh, DJ didn't really do anything on the stat sheet. Man, it's just because um, it's just because I'm glad he's back out there. You know, all eight of those guys played a great game. I could give it to Xavier. I could give it to Ryan Anderson again. But DJ Petway, I was concerned he had blew a knee. And yep. uh, he comes back the very next week. I think he's one of those edge guys that we really are going to need against Mississippi State and Auburn. And uh, I was glad to see him back out there. Okay, very good. Uh, I'm going to give uh, my mini game ball, and and I agree, it's uh, – you know, you want to give it to the entire defensive front, just like uh, we wanted to give uh, the mini game ball to the entire offensive front. But uh, uh, in uh, you know, I'm giving uh, my mini game ball tip of the cap to the defensive front. I'm giving it in the person of Tim Williams. Here's a guy who's uh, has battled his way out of the doghouse. Uh, has gotten more and more playing time. The dude's a beast, and uh, when he gets an opportunity to play, it's uh, it's like. He shot out of a cannon uh, coming around the edge, uh, you know, affecting the quarterback. So I'm giving a little nod there to, to Tim Williams. All right, man. Hey, yeah. I'm also uh, – I, I do have uh, an honorable mention, uh, and I'm going to do this, and it's going to segue into special teams. Uh, I do have an honorable mention game ball. I don't know if this is offense or defense, so this is just an extra game ball that I have. Uh, I am giving it to the uh, the PA – uh, team or the PA guy. At one point, they played a, uh, and I don't know the name of the song. I'm not so much into this style of music, but L A M F A O, I think. They played uh, some like a little house music kind of tune. And um, uh, there was a little line in, the, in that song that had sort of a playful jab at uh, Led Zeppelin, who we all know is the greatest rock band in the history of rock bands. And uh, and then immediately after they cut that song, and then actually played a Zeppelin tune. So I thought that was tune- that was pretty cool. I was probably 
uh, including me and the PA guy. I was probably one of three people in the entire stadium who who, who recognized that. But uh, the better thing. So, do you want a game ball for being one of the three people in the stadium? Yeah, you can give me a game ball for that. The better performance that really, really sort of cemented the the mini game ball is on, and this is the segue to special teams. When Christian Jones had his punt return for uh, 47 yards, immediately, immediately, as if they had their finger over the button every time Christian Jones touched the ball, how you like me now played. So I thought that was pretty fitting and uh, probably a good segue into special teams. Well, man, go ahead and start it off, man. Go ahead and, and tell the listeners what you were talking about, about the little the little uh, love fest between Saban and Chris John Jones and the and the uh, the hand gestures and the uh, expressions that were going on every time he stepped out there on for punt return. Yeah, you know, there was uh, the very first the very first uh, punt return, you know, Chris John goes out there and and so, you know, Probably not surprised that he was back there, but you know it was a question: who's going I to be was back there? It shouldn't have been. Well, you know who's going to be back there filling him, and so <laughs> one of the first times I've ever seen Christian Jones fair catch a ball, uh, and in fact he probably had more fair catch. This would be an interesting study. Uh, he probably had more fair catches Saturday than he's had in his career, uh, but he had a, a fair catch uh, on his first uh, punt return. And, uh, you know, flip the ball to official and he starts running towards the sideline and he gets, you know, maybe 10 yards to save. And it's clear that he's communicating the saving. And he just kind of puts his arms out like, do you like that? And <laughs> and Saban just walked up to him, patted him on the head and said, good job. We got the ball at the 28 <laughs> or whatever the yard line was. You know, it's like we possess the ball further down the field. Uh, we as a team have the ball. That's all I care about. Exactly. Our team has the ball uh, at, at a uh, you know a favorable uh, field position. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and then so then it kind of got to be you know he fair caught uh, a couple, and then on the punt return, uh, it, it, and you uh, you know you and I noticed this. I'm sure other people did too. But he he ran diagonally backwards, which is the kind of thing like uh, you know here's where we've gotten onto him before. He caught the ball took a step, bobbled it, regrouped, and then he was gone. I mean, literally shot out of a cannon, gone. Once he secured possession of the ball, he was down the sidelines, and and it was just – it was a pretty impressive return that he had uh, right there. I've, I, I knew that he was fast. That was one of those plays where you realize he is dynamic, fast, we need to figure out how we get him worked into it. He was so fast, you think we've got to figure out how to get him the ball uh, in space and in the offense because, you know, this is really what he's capable of uh, when he'll sort of get out of his own head and play. Well, and, and, you know, we talked about this last week, man. We talked about, you know, him getting antsy because he's not getting the opportunities, you know, in the offensive set. And you don't know if it's Lane Kiffin. You, you really it, you, you scratch your head because this is a, a fifth year senior that, you know, his biggest, you know, his his favorite play was to drag him behind the line of scrimmage and throw it to him in the flat that, you know, and, and he would get 10 yards out of it. So it, it, it makes you wonder why we're not getting him the ball, even on that end, that wide receiver end around you hate, you know, instead of Amari Cooper, give it to him. Um, hey, you look, know, I'm just, not mad at something. the end. I'm not mad at the end around. It's who we run it with. 
and and, and more of a dynamic scat back type player, um, a little bit shorter, uh, a little bit more sort of nimble in that way. Uh, Christian Jones fits that mold. Amari Cooper is much taller. He's a bigger target. He's a little more lanky. Oh, and he's also one of the best receivers in college football. So why would you get him hurt running an end around, right? That's, I'm not mad at the play. I'm mad at, uh, you know, sort of who we have run it. And, no, no, I understand. And, and you, know, you know, I think Lane Kiffin needs to be setting up a couple of design plays yes. for Cooper and DeAndre White and Chris John Jones every single game. Yes. yes. All three of you, all three of you veteran guys are each going to, all, all three of you veteran guys are going to have a couple plays each game designed for y'all. Hey, yes. um, let's talk about our other special team standout, man. Uh, oh, Ruben Foster, man. He, um, I, I, I like the fire, which with he, with, with, which he played with. I like how he just went out there as a headhunter on uh, special teams and, uh, the team kind of pumped him up in the process. You know, I still think this guy's going to leave his mark on this university before it's all said and done. I think when he puts it all together, I mean, Xavier Dixon's a senior this year, and look how he's playing. Uh, Reuben Foster is a five-star athlete, and um, I just was glad to see he uh, was able to contribute to the team. Yeah, he's got one speed in his go. And uh, when he made a play, I mean, he must be sort of a, a locker room favorite because when he made a, uh, a play – you know, that first uh, big, big hit that he made, it seemed that the whole uh, it, it looked like almost the whole, you know, roster came out and and was celebrating him. And, uh, you know, I was kind of kidding with our buddy Eric that, you know, I like the emotion. I like showing that felt a little Georgia ish to me, but uh, but I like the emotion. And uh, and he had another big play, uh, uh, you know, a little bit later and and uh, didn't get quite as many of the team uh, team members that came out. But certainly the special teams unit kind of helped celebrate and uh then he went after uh went after the quarterback on uh on another play and uh got a little dinged up uh Trader priest was uh was kidding with him at practice today and and said uh said man you got hurt by a quarterback i don't even want to talk to you but uh, <laughs> it, it was definitely good to see though i mean he finished fourth on the stat line on defense and uh finished the day with five tackles you know one for loss one sack and probably his best performance in an Alabama uniform, and I just, I just hope he builds off that. Yeah, I think he's got to throttle his speed a little bit, and he's got to learn to tackle. I think he's, you know, he still lowers his head, uh, and and you know, this is a guy that knocks himself out at practice because he's not tackling right, and so that's going to limit his performances, right? That's going to limit his opportunities. But if uh, if he can master that, then uh, you know, this guy's going to get a lot more playing time because he certainly has the athleticism. Uh, what else on special teams? You know, the other thing um, was uh, a play by Landon Collins. You know, Landon Collins had a good day on defense. He had a special teams play that drove me crazy on a punt. Um, he's one of the yes. two gunners. And, you know, he he sits there and decides as the ball. First of all, the ball has bounced. He doesn't know where it is. We talked about that frustration in the Arkansas game. So it makes you wonder what the special teams coach has worked on in practice, to be quite fair. Um, he doesn't know where the ball is. He starts walking toward the punt returner like he's taunting him, yep. like I dare you to get to pick the ball up. And then as he comes off the sideline thinking, oh, that was great that I did, Saban calls him over and shares what he thinks about it. And so, uh, you know, I just – I like we have somebody in charge that is not going to put up with that kind of stuff. All of what you said I'm, I'm fine with. I think I think the setup uh, – I 
I view the setup a little bit differently. I think Landon did know where the ball was. I think he also knew that he had another, uh, the other gunner down there with him. And so when he was sort of walking towards uh, the, the punt, uh, the punt returner and the punt returner was backing up and he was sort of conducting himself in, in, in a way, try to, in, to intimidate the punt returner. And, and he sort of straddled, walked over the ball. And I think the ball, you know, uh, I think the ball clipped him. The other gunner was right there to down the ball, but what Landon did do, and I'm not advocating that we should do this. He should get a talking to that should not be part of our punt game. But if you look at it in sort of the context of itself, he he helped that punt travel three to five more yards to back them up a little bit more. And so in 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 the in in a single cell organism that was that play, that was really cool. That was really neat. In the larger context of don't do stupid shit, he should not have done that. Absolutely not. Hey, uh, you got to see more of your punter, man. Are you are you happy you're getting to see more looks here? Well, we saw five punts, and and uh, and he averaged fifty yards, and all of our punts came late late in the game, and so I got a kick out of uh, you know Bama Joe who sits there with us. He at one point he asked, "Have we punted yet?" And at that point, the answer was no, and then. <laughs> Within the next few minutes of the ball game, we punt five more times. And so that became kind of the running joke is, hey, Joe, you get to see the punter again. And um, I was fine because I got to see the punter during uh, um, during warm-ups after the second half. I was okay with that. That satisfied my need to see the punter. I didn't have to see us punt five times during the game. But uh, Joe asked, so uh, punter delivered. <laughs> Uh, any, anything else that jumped out at you on uh, on special teams? You know, we gave up a 75-yard kick return uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, defense stepped up and uh, kept them from scoring, which was really good. You made the comment that, you know, should they maybe just kick a field goal to get rid of the, uh, the shutout, the goose egg? Uh, there's something to be said for that. You could also, you know, make the case that, uh, you know, a field goal does really nothing for you. Let's try to score a touchdown. Let's kind of make a, try to make a play on offense. Uh, if we're going to get rid of the goose egg, we're going to earn it. And uh, so you can make a case either way for that one. But uh, the fact that we gave away that long kick return almost lost the shutout. I think there's something we can coach up there. No, no, I do. And um, I was surprised to learn after the ball game that that was the first time uh, in Kevin Sumlin as head coach at Texas A&M that they've ever been shut out. Yeah. So there's so a that bit. makes you wonder why you don't kick a field goal there. Yeah, you know, and that's probably a stat. I don't know if he if he knows it or, you know, whatnot. Cares, but, uh, right. Or cares, right? Clearly, probably not. That's something that if uh, if you're trying to protect it, you know, you kick a field goal there. So that shows you a little bit about what he's about, right? That, uh, you know, he's not worried about protecting something as simple as, you know, a shutout when we're getting blown out by 59 points. The zero or the three don't really make that much of a difference. And so, you know, he's trying to say, guys, if we're going to get on the scoreboard, we're going to earn it. We're going to get a touchdown. And, uh, you know, and that could be a motivation. But, uh, you know, I think his team was uh, his team was done by then. Oh, they were. They were absolutely done. (laughs) 
<clears throat> I um I didn't see any signs of giving up, you know, just like stopping on plays, but they definitely didn't seem on the sideline that they were too upset to be uh to be down like they were for sure. Yeah. Well, tell me, uh, this week we traveled to Knoxville to take on uh, the Volunteers of Tennessee. What uh, what you have in store for that uh, that game? You know, I was surprised at the. Um, you know, what what did you think of the of the spread to start with? I mean, you know, we are we're a two touchdown favorite uh, in this ball game. Uh, they obviously was was not even in the game against Ole Miss by any stretch of the imagination. You know what do you, what do you think we're going to get from from Tennessee? I mean, you know, I, I thought I thought they 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 had a good uh, had a good coaching hire. I thought he was the right guy to turn things around for them. You know, is it is it a numbers game? Do they just not have the bodies yet? Yeah, I think it. Uh, I, I think it is, and I think that, that you know uh, he's brought in some good talent. Uh, I think he is moving them in the right direction. You know, his sort of motto is. You know, one brick at a time, or brick by brick, and and that that leads to a slow and gradual and methodic building of a program. And I think that's you know that's what you're going to get uh, when they've kind of been as down as uh, as far as they have. Uh, they've shown a lot of tenacity in how they've played this season. Uh, a couple of games they probably should have won. They they should have beat Georgia. Uh, they should have beat Florida. They lose those games. That's deflating. They you know they lead. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, three to nothing for uh, a stretch, and then I think they, you know, they ended up getting housed uh, in that game. So they may be losing their edge, sort of their want to, with those types of performances. You know, they've had to replace their entire offensive line, their entire defensive line, and uh, I think they've had some injuries across the offensive front. So I, I think there, there's, um, you know, there's some depth issues. There's some. Just players getting just uh, you know just getting beat up, not 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 able to play. Uh, some attrition, I guess, is really what I'm looking for there. So 14 sounds about right. They're gonna go. They're gonna go back home and and kind of regroup themselves. But I just don't think they have the depth of personnel to uh, to hang, especially if we can take some of this momentum back out on the road. And I think that we will be able to. I, I'm kind of predicting that uh, that this was sort of a pivot point in our season. So I think we take some of this energy with us on the road to Knoxville. And, uh, you know, last time we were 14 point, uh, 14 point favorites over A&M, uh, I didn't think that uh, that we would cover. Here we are, and I think we will. Uh, I think we beat them by 17-24 something, or 17 17 to 24 points, uh, something in that range. Uh, I might predict a 34 to 10 kind of ball game. Okay. Well, it, it, it definitely has been a tough schedule. I mean, you know, th- this is a team, like you said, about the Georgia. You know, right before that Georgia, they went to Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Which is yep. a tough place to play. Yep. Um, they had a bye week before they played Georgia, which uh, makes me just wonder if that, you know, that Georgia-Florida – it makes you wonder if that Georgia Florida stretch just did them in because yep. those those are their that that's that's their Auburn right that that's their <clears throat> rival. But I was surprised to find out that this team is ranked 19th in the country on total defense, and um, they're ranked sixth in the country on passing yards allowed. This team's only given up 166 yards a game through the air, and so um and they're pretty okay against the run. So um, you got a top 20 defense that 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 plays good in the secondary. You know, we we better come with our run game because if we don't, I don't think there's going to be these you know seven yard cushions like we saw against Texas A and M. I don't think they're going to lose no thirty four to three like they did against Ole Miss. It is Alabama, right? 
that this is a, a big game for them. Sure. Um, and so I, I, I think 14 is, is just doesn't sound right to me. I, I think we're going to have a letdown. I think we're going to be confident after this game. I, I think we're going to see something like a 24 to, you know, 24 to 13 game. Maybe, maybe we barely cover and win 27, 13, but I think we're going to come back from this game frustrated. Uh, uh, our, I think our on the road struggles are going to continue. Okay. I think we, I think we see uh, Blake kind of shed some of that. I think that, uh, you know, he can, he, I think this is a trip back home from him or, you know, literally this, uh, this game against uh, uh, A&M was him coming back home, filling his tank up again. Uh, I think that he is going to want to, uh, you know, he committed to Tennessee. He decommitted to us to commit to Lane Kiffin at Tennessee. Uh, And so I think he's going to have a little mustard in his tank. I think Kiffin is as well. Uh, I think that's going to add to, uh, uh, you know, some of the fever that that the crowd's going to have. But I think we're going to take the crowd right out of it. I think we see, you know, that next progression in uh, in Blake's development. That's what I think we see Saturday. And uh, that's where I get – you know, kind of a 17-point or 24-point uh, victory for the Tide. Man, I hope your score is right and mine's wrong. Yes, me too. <laughs> anything else? Anything we missed? No, man, I'm just ready for uh, I'm ready for it to be Saturday again. Let's just forget the work week and get back to football. Uh, if only we could. <laughs> hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on BamaHammer.com. And roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.